Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Mischief Makers, your one-stop shop for all things mischief. Join your host, Dave Hearn, as he finds out what makes mischief, well, mischief. Hello. Hello. And welcome. Hello. And uh, yes, welcome to another episode of Mischief Makers with me, Dave Hearn. Um, and that lovely voice you heard calling hello through my introduction. Uh, I did trick you, though. I think I tricked you because I said hello and left a pause. And you, yeah, you, you instinctively responded, which, uh, which does bode well for the rest of this. But uh, why don't you introduce yourself, Mrs. Hello? Who are you? Uh, hello, I am Laura. This, um, ladies and gentlemen, is the wonderful Laura Carbon. Um, and uh, she is a very old friend of mine. Not mm-hmm. that you're old or that no, we are both old. In fact, I think you're younger than me. Uh, yeah. Yes, just, just turned 31. So, And I've just turned 32. So my wise years. <laughs> uh, so, Laura, you said you'd, you'd listen to some of the other podcasts. Yes. Um, so you'll be aware that, one, this is all done in one take, no editing. Uh, no. And two, I obviously don't have any jingles. No. So will you give me, for the first section, which is the getting to know you, you don't actually yeah. have to do a jingle, I thought, because you do a lot of audio books. So I'm going to give you an option. Right. You can either do a jingle, improvise mm-hmm. a little getting to know jingle, or yeah. you can do a, um, I don't know what it be, like a, as if it was like a chapter heading. Like an a, intro. An... Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, well, maybe I can I can give you a bit of both if you if you okay. Like. I look forward to that immensely. <laughs> uh, so yes, in your own time, give us your getting to know you intro song thing. Now you're listening to Laura Kerman's "Getting to Know You." Getting to know you. That was Laura Kerman. That was so impressive. There we go. I really didn't expect it to be that good. <laughs> not because you're not good, but I was like, oh, shit, that really sounds like someone from the radio. Well, I, that's I, I would love. After being kind of 
locked in a cardboard box during lockdown recording audiobooks from home um I that I would love to get more into radio I think it's a brilliant field of work but also just well it's just having a chat isn't it not not to undermine you know radio presenters or anything but Mm. it's just a lovely job (laughs) and so for you it would be more like getting into what not radio drama but like a like a radio presenter yeah or even just um announcing what's on on tv you know the little clips that you get in between television Uh, and you know they always have to come up with kind of a one-liner before a show starts um yeah yeah I think that's such a great job Um, we had um uh, I had a friend who I met at Edinburgh Hmm. who um who did that for channel four great and, and I imagine quite fun because the shows on Channel 4 are sometimes quite wild and wacky, aren't they? So I can yeah. imagine really get into your headlines with that. <laughs> well, she said it was kind of weird because she would have to be uh, sort of like on call in case like a dramatic world event happened oh, so that really? they could. Because I thought it was all just like pre-recorded and she said some of it is, but sometimes they need someone. Uh, Live. If it's like yeah like we're, we're interrupting this program or sorry for the delay the snooker overran yeah. or whatever yeah um snooker's obviously in my mind from <laughs> recently well, you know, we can watch it now so live. it's very true yeah um so well actually let's let's get to know you a little bit more <laughs> laura Perman. um now i want to do what you did do i do i sort of move on to the mic or is that just sound really horrible now oh well yeah if you come closer you can um, sound, yeah, a bit, a bit more. Well, it's kind of honing your audience in. Yeah, that's really good. Back, it's a much more kind of relaxed chat. <laughs> yeah, that is true. So now, <laughs> am I quite relaxed chat now? Yes. Yeah. Sort of. This is Dave relaxed. Yeah. But this is Dave oh. talking to you from very close up. Yeah. I sound, I sounded quite predatory then. I didn't mean to. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. This is me close to you. Um, if if you I have young children, closer do... to you. Oh, see, that's better. But then, yeah. maybe, but then, maybe I'm just worried about being predatory. You didn't sound predatory. You sounded sort of sultry. <laughs> oh, my cat, my cat is meowing. What do oh, you I want, can... cat? Oh, I can hear. Could you hear her? Yeah. What's her name? Her name is Angel. Oh, lovely to um, have a pet during these covid lockdown time it really is and she yeah. does not give a shit about covid she doesn't <laughs> give a shit about the world she's like i need to poop i need to eat yeah. i need, I I need attention they come in for attention and then they're just very independent they come yeah, in they're... cuddle bit of food and then off they go to do their own thing whereas they're dogs perfect are needy, aren't they you got to walk a dog you got to wash a dog you got to yeah. train a dog but I think dogs and also are very, very lovable. They are very friendly creatures as well. Yeah. I think Harry Kershaw believes that there's a, and this might be true, believes there's a test where um, cats are either sociopaths or psychopaths. <laughs> where they, ha- they, I think, I think the test is like, they, there's a scientific <laughs> test that's, that's proven that cats like don't feel shame or guilt. <laughs> but I don't know. I don't know if many animals do other than, humans you know yeah i don't yeah i don't know i think dogs dogs can feel shame 
Yeah, just, um, if they know if they've done a bad thing. Yeah, whereas I'm not sure cats really really give a damn. <laughs> like, no, like still feed me. Well, I think theirs is kind of like a personal one. Like they sort of go, you know, I'm going to be very discreet. I'm going to go outside. I'm going to dig a hole. I'm going to yeah. poop in it. I'm going to cover it up. And <laughs> they're quite sort of um, precious creatures. Yeah. Uh, and so if you lock them in a room and they have to like you know, use the toilet, use the floor as a toilet in a room. They're, they're very upset by that because they've, yes. they've debased themselves. They're quite, they're quite proud, aren't they? They're very august creatures. And <laughs> I think that's why they're so funny because they they take themselves so very seriously. So seriously. Whereas a dog is like, oh, yeah, pick up my poo. Oh, great. Okay, let's go home. Oh, great. Okay, should we have dinner? Do you want to watch something? <laughs> yeah and i think like because i remember a friend of mine said oh you have no idea what it's like it's the best feeling in the world coming home and having a dog like run up to you and is so like pleased yeah. that you're back um and i haven't had that to be fair but my my mum has like five or six cats mm. um oh, and wow. it's it's sort of i imagine sort of living in ancient egypt what that must have been like just sort yeah. of surrounded by right, cats, by cats. <laughs> yeah but no, no, we've gone off track. We've gone off. I'm going to bring us. Yeah, back we have. Up. Sorry. Yes, we have. We're going to get to know Dora Kerman. So the first question yes. I have for you is: tell oh, us um, about your your journey from how how you kind of joined Mischief. Well, uh, I first met well Harry at National Youth Theatre, um, so I knew him first. But a lot of you guys, I met um, doing the foundation course at Lambda. Uh, so. That was you, Henry, Josh. And then obviously there was other members as well that were there um, at the beginning, weren't there? Um, mm. Richard and Jack, I think, was involved as well. Um, yeah. And then we did, I remember we did uh, Adam Megiddo's, uh, what was it called? You know, when we did it for 48 hours or 24 hours, the kind of... Oh, the, the Improvathon. Yes, and we all did that, I remember. Um, uh, and then you and I both went to Rose Bruford. Yes, uh, although we were in the same year at Lambda, on, but then yeah. a year. Did you? So did you not get in, or did you decide to take a year out? No, I didn't get into the three-year course, so I took a year out, and then did a year with National Youth Theatre. Um, of course, yeah, which was amazing. And then, uh, then re auditioned and got into Rose Bruford, uh, which you you were already there, weren't you? Because you were a year above me. That's um, right. Yeah. And then you were doing uh, auditions for kind of you needed an extra, uh, well, an extra group, didn't you? Because you guys, I think, had you just started play that goes wrong or was pan touring? You needed us to step in at Edinburgh because. You guys yes. were away. I can't quite remember what show you were doing or just if you needed a bit of time. I can't quite remember why you kind of trained us up. Maybe it must have been that you were doing a show. Yeah, because we must have. Because I, I think I'd, because um, I definitely was meant to be doing a lot of that Edinburgh, but I dislocated yeah. my shoulder. Yes. Um, so yeah, it I must have been... a lot of notes. Yes, I think that was the the tour just before the tour because we were actually I uh, the reason I went back to London was to mm. R&D the 
the trick at the end of the swinging across the stage. Oh yes. And that's how I dislocated my shoulder, and that's why Greg ended up doing it instead of instead yeah. of me. Oh gosh. Um, so yeah, it must have been around there, which would have yeah. been like. 2014 2015 maybe yes yes yeah Yeah. 2014 I think because then I after that summer of Edinburgh because we did some shows and then you guys came in and we mixed a bit and then you guys left and we ended uh the fringe and then some of us went on to do pan yes that's right and then I think you guys must have been doing play that goes wrong yeah, we went into the West End and you guys did a tour of yeah, Pan. Yeah, we did the tour of Pan. Yes, yeah. the, that was, ended up being quite an infamous tour, I think. Yes, yeah. It did, that it the... did very well and very badly, I think. Because <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was the first tour, wasn't it, of Pan? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah that's right. That, was, a, that yeah. was the first kind of professional production because we'd only ever done it at, um, at the Pleasants. Yes. Not that that wasn't professional, but that was just like us. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> but well, it was mainly to do with knowing you guys from the foundation and you saying come along and you know because you did kind of not an open audition, but I know a lot of people had asked people into that kind of weekend audition to audition mm. for Magic Movie Night, which I guess was called Lights Camera Improvise then, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we um, needed improvisers, but it's quite hard. I mean, it, I think it's easier now, but certainly at the time it was quite difficult to find uh, women who wanted to improvise. Yeah. I think it's more of a, I think it was still that part of that very kind of um, toxic stigma that women aren't funny. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. that feels like it's going away. Yes. Um, yeah. But I don't know. Yeah. Do you do you consider yourself a funny woman? <laughs> um, I mean, I do. <laughs> I think, uh, well, I don't think I think about uh, if I'm a funny woman I think I'm quite daft and silly and a bit of an Mm. idiot um uh but I think it's great to be seeing uh women at the forefront of comedy and it no longer being a stigma of oh well they're just not funny which is you know just point blank wrong and not true (laughs) yeah they're very very true yeah I think um it was that that actually I think the the pan tour and yeah, I think as well. Like we've tried to, we've tried to sort of any any of our shows really. There's lots of really funny parts in there for for women, and also uh, they're just. I've met so many women who are brilliant. Yes, brilliant, absolutely. funny actors. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, I think that like that was what was amazing about doing uh, the show I did, which you you and Charlie came to see actually with Niall at the Stephen Joseph Theatre. Uh, uh, 39 steps because that was the first time professionally that I know of I might be wrong but where the clown one you know there's clown one clown two which Niall played and I played the other clown and that was the first time a woman had been cast in that part which to us was mad because I mean you know you just wouldn't question that but uh so that felt amazing to do that but also like what really <laughs> in what was it 2018 that that's I'm wow. sure in different um I don't know uh, maybe different places or whatever maybe a woman has done it but it was kind of the first I know I remember Paul being you know really uh pushing that that this is you know important that this should be played by a female because um, in the script, is it just clown one and clown two? It's just it's clown not... one, clown two. So you, you yeah, you, it, there's no sex that's specified. 
Um, wow. Yeah, because yeah. when I saw it, um, I'd just like to say how I think I'd said at the time, but also thought how brilliant you and you and Niall were. Oh, um, thank you. I think you guys really stole the show. I mean, obviously, I'm I'm biased towards you, but I think <laughs> even if I weren't, I, I think you were both so fantastic. Oh, and it was so, um, yeah, it was it was so well put together. And I'd never seen Thirty Nine Steps before, uh, ever any kind of production, so I had no idea what it was. And then I yeah. kind of got once we saw it why the Criterion then took on Bank Robbery because yeah, I was like, ah, yeah. oh, it's a very similar kind of yeah. comedy yeah, style. Yeah. 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 It's, Very silly it and over the top. So silly. And I had so much fun doing that show. It was, um, well, I think working with Paul as well, we were allowed to kind of create our own characters and it was really collaborative uh, in the space. Um, and it was so physical as well. The movement director, Erin, was amazing at kind of working the train scene and how we, because it was the first time it had been done in the round. So we had to kind of work out all of that as well. And it was so fun fast like all of your shows are that you don't you know once you're running you don't get a moment do you to kind of think what's mm. next you're kind of on that train running away with you I don't think I've ever been as nervous as the opening night because we had so many fast quick changes um, and, hats <laughs> and everything I uh, I do remember ringing my boyfriend up Darmesh and saying oh gosh I think maybe I should just get a taxi out of here <laughs> I've never, I've just, was so nervous that I was going to kind of forget what to do but oh, wow. um, luckily luckily that didn't happen <laughs> but you've you've understudied right before yes yeah 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 so were you do you get more nervous were you more nervous then than you would have been understudying well I think with the um, the first time I'd ever understudied was with Pan actually and I think because a lot of understudying is you doing your own work so I really made sure I was on top of all the lines and the movement as, you know, much as possible. Mm. Um, but like any show, you know, the understudy, just because of time, you get kind of rehearsals either when the show's up or just before if you're teching things. Um, but um, when we opened in Guildford, sadly, one of the actresses didn't feel very well and she kind of had to come off uh, and I kind of was suddenly on mid-performance. Um, and yes. I think because that was literally being thrown into a fire pit. I mean, not literally, but it felt like <laughs> um, I was kind of getting the costumes ready backstage and suddenly I was kind of in, in a dress and on. Um, <laughs> I think that kind of, I don't know, I think after that I was like, oh, well, if I can do that, <laughs> I yeah. think I'll be okay. Um, but I do, I think understudying is one of the the hardest jobs uh, especially if you're, um, I mean, uh, I've never been kind of in a production and also understudying. I've kind of always been kind of off or doing other jobs. Um, yeah. Just keep on top of it, especially with, you know, when uh, Pan was quite, there was lots of changes going on, weren't there? Like there was lots of adapting going to the script and you've got to be just on it because. Yeah, it that was quite a difficult. To stand in. So, I think that was quite difficult. You were you were part of quite a difficult transition with Pan because it was it was moving it from a the the kind of Pleasance production that we we had and we had the script, but then yeah, we much suddenly bigger. had yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. much, much yeah. many more bells and whistles. Because I can't remember how many um, venues we did, but it was wasn't it? It's that transition, like you said, just of a, a smaller scale to a larger scale, and 
But I think that set me up kind of. It was such a good point for my career to do that because I learned all different jobs from being an understudy to ASMing to doing costume to doing get-ins to doing get-outs to really seeing that like the machine of a show is not just the actors reading and doing the lines on stage like the the, the team that behind that is behind every show uh, is so important and I think to understudy is a really uh, important job for most actors to do I think I think it yeah it's a I think everybody should do it really to kind of uh, see what what it's like on the other side if you get what, if you get what I mean yeah no I think that makes a lot of sense and I think we're we're sort of doing um, mischief and, and a few other theatre companies have been trying to do this particularly in in the year just gone is is really draw attention to first of all when our understudies are on as yeah. well I think tra- traditionally it's it, you sort of hope that no one notices um mm-hmm. which I kind of understand if you if you have somebody who's very very famous and the whole point of having that person in is to try and get in people who may have otherwise not come to see the show or may mm. even not come to see theater but mm. I think because our casts are very ensemble based we've always tried to encourage oh, yeah, you always give a shout out and it's always very yeah publicly known isn't it that the, the understudies are going on because I guess you need you need the shows that especially that you guys do to be so slick that mm. you need them to you know well you need it to just be as oiled as it usually is with with the kind of normal cast need a need an oily oily show oily oh an oily show <laughs> that's what we're a nice <laughs> oily show um and so how did you how did how did you so you really enjoyed that tour what was the kind of um what was a sort of quite surprising lesson that you took from it because you you were what understudying asming costume get-ins and get-outs yeah you sort of saw the machine of it was there something that you you didn't expect that you would see or didn't expect you would learn uh I don't know if it was like uh a shock it just it it widened my I don't know knowledge and eyes to just how you know the stage crew are there hours before the actors even get into the dressing room um Mm. and just to have a, a show run well and effectively is to have everybody on board and, and a happy team, I guess. Um, and I think because I, I think I'd need, maybe it'd been a couple of years since graduating. I just think for me, it was a really good point to do it. And I learned so much. Uh, and also just don't be an ass. <laughs> sure. <laughs> like I think, key, yeah, key you know what I mean? just, yeah, be nice, be friendly and be great to work with. And it's, it's all good. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember who um I think I might have said this in, in another one of these uh, yeah I feel like it was Neil Gaiman like uh, don't quote me on that because I might be totally wrong but he somebody said that basically to to be successful in the profession you need to be two of three things it's yeah. either be really really good yeah uh turn up on time or yeah. be a nice person <laughs> and, like be brilliant to work with yeah and I think uh he said really annoyingly in this in this speech that he was like really annoyingly you don't have to be all three like you can afford to not be one of them yeah. uh, because if you're like a, if you're a dickhead but you turn up on time and you're really really good yeah. then everyone will kind of forgive you <laughs> but then if you if you turn up on time uh, and I don't know I suppose if you turn up on time and you're really nice to work with but you're quite bad 
<laughs> like that's okay as well. It's just like, oh, you can't he's... remember any of your lines. You put the wrong costume on. <laughs> yeah, we well, that's a bit of what it's like working with Harry Kershaw. Yeah. <laughs> he's, but he turns up on time and he's a lovely man. <laughs> he is also very good, though. To be fair, he's he just clumsy. Extremely good. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if he'll listen to this. Yeah, if you are Harry, oh. you're wonderful. <laughs> wonderful, but no apologies. But um, no. no. Never. And so how did um so how did it compare doing Pan to 39 Steps? So kind of two different companies, but then also one was on tour, one was more static, and presumably your role in 39 Steps was much more uh, actor based and less kind of backstage. Yeah, uh yeah. Um I mean we did go to Cluid with 39 Steps. I guess what was different was we there was a smaller cast, so there was just four of us. Um mm. Uh, and then our amazing backstage team who did the quick changes in seconds. Uh, um, I guess uh, what was different was we 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 got to play loads in the rehearsal room. They were kind of our parts. And because it was a smaller theatre, we didn't have understudies. So um, there wasn't kind of that kind of, uh, it wasn't that big a scale of a production, I guess. Just because mainly the regional theatres don't have uh, the budget for an understudy um but I guess uh, I don't know what the difference is really I mean from job to job it's all different isn't it but you're just learning along the way really and it's the last you know few years I've been really lucky to work with some incredible people and you know yourselves included um and uh, I feel very lucky for that really especially I don't know during this quite bizarre time that we've all collectively been through uh during this kind of bizarre pandemic that's affected us all on one level and I know much worse in some cases but it just makes you really grateful for what you've been what you've done uh I think I've really kind of I don't know I I've felt very lucky for who I've worked with and the shows that I've done and that you know you pick this career because I don't know, but you pick it in different ways. But I picked it because I just fell in love with a show I saw at the Minak Theatre that the Nehi uh, that Nehi did. It was Tristan and Yuzult, and I just loved it. And I was like, "Oh my god, I want to do that as a job." Yes, please. And I feel very privileged to have been able to do that since graduating. Um, and I think during this lockdown, it's made me even more uh, like realize that more. Just be like, "God, yeah. I get paid to." to do what I bloody love. <laughs> yeah, I remember when we got our first um, paycheck for doing the Play That Goes Wrong tour. Yeah. Uh, and I think it was like the kind of minimum that you could you could get for a tour, but it was more money than I'd ever been paid in my life. Mm-hmm. And I remember mm-hmm. thinking, uh, oh, wow, someone wants to to pay me for this. Yeah. And that feels yeah. stupid. Yeah. It's like, really? Oh, okay. And I can pay my bills and my rent with this I remember doing the play uh, the Peter Pan tour and getting my first paycheck and it was you know the, the most money I think I'd been paid up weekly mm. and being able to kind of take my family out for dinner or buy a yes. round pub and being like oh this is great <laughs> and I then do this spending... and not feel terrible yes and then you know regrettably spending all that money and not saving enough and now at 31 wishing I had saved just a little bit more 
<laughs> no, never. I think I think you would have, you know, if you'd if you'd got you know to thirty one and had like a, a sort of modest pocket of money, you'd be like, what a what a waste what a, of what a waste. Yeah, no, I definitely have so much joy it. wasted. Yeah, the Nell has seen uh, many a many a pay packet. I think <laughs> it will bankrupt most actors. I think, <laughs> especially or, if you're uh, with Harry Kershaw. <laughs> yeah, get yourself a nice warm flat gin and tonic for fifteen quid, <laughs> and stand outside in the rain. Why do we all do that? Rain. We just well, I think a lot of people very, smoked, didn't they? Very true. Yeah. Well, but mm. I I don't think like that was even. The reason, I think just everybody just used to like to stand out there and get absolutely soaked with a quite, you know, tart white wine. <laughs> <laughs> nice acidic wine. <laughs> but I know I know what you mean. Like that feel I definitely had that feeling of um yeah, when you when you get that first uh, first first paycheck through. I mean I spent my entire training from the age of well, I can't remember what well, it must have been nineteen through till yeah. twenty twenty four ish, whenever I graduated. Yeah, uh, and just being two thousand pounds overdrawn like the entire time. <laughs> yeah, yes, and that was because it was the maximum overdraft. Yeah, that I, I could allow that sweet old student overdraft that we all mm. lived. <laughs> and then, and it was like they didn't charge interest even yes. until two years after you graduated, which I thought was a great deal. Yeah, and yeah. then I worked in a, a restaurant for for two years, and I still oh. never managed to pay it off. No, no. But then when I got that paycheck through, and I started saving saving money, I remember there was one day where I opened a separate bank account, and I sort of gathered a bit of money in there. Yeah, and I was like, I'm I'm going to pay off this <laughs> overdraft, and it was yeah. the single most brilliant and single most devastating moment of my life, where I went on my phone on the little app. And yeah. I transferred £2,000 from an account to another <laughs> account. And I was like, I've done it. I'm debt free. I've paid off my overdraft. But my new account, my old account, was, sorry, was zero. Was zero. <laughs> <laughs> and I was just like, I've gone from minus 2000 to zero. And like, yeah. that is a, that's a good day. <laughs> but I think maybe as you get older, I don't know, like maybe our parents' generation will be like two grand in debt. If only I could have the luxury of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's, uh, it's it was quite a common thing, but no, yeah. I think we've we've done well. To are you are you currently in any debt, or are you, I don't know, in the black? <laughs> what do you call it? In the red, in the yeah. blue? No, I try. And well, my dad's always told me this as well. You know, don't spe- don't buy anything if you can't afford it. Um, so sure, simple uh, but effective. You know, like on a on finance or anything. So uh, yeah, yeah. I try to keep to that as much as possible. <laughs> that makes sense. And you've, it you've was sort hard of made a... Yeah. Yeah, no, again? definitely. I was saying you've you've you sort of earning a reasonable amount of money. We sort of touched on it earlier by doing uh, audiobooks and stuff. Yeah, well, I'm I've been lucky enough to uh at the the beginning of lockdown um because I was recording a couple in a few studios and it kind of this I don't know, this increasing doom was uh, appearing you know the tidal wave of covid and mm. i thought uh i e- you know emailed one of the uh, casting directors at the studios to say should i buy some equipment and it was the best thing i did because had i not kind of set up and i mean what i'm sat at in in the moment is a, a big amazon cardboard box i've got nice. three pillows i've got a bit of a soundproof booth 
um, uh, a mic and a pop shield. And I've been able to record books from home uh, kind of since lockdown, which has been amazing. Uh, Do you reckon this will be the the way forward? Well, uh, no, because it, it you just need your engineer and producer to do because I spent quite a lot many hours trying to get to grips with Pro Tools. Uh, right, not very tech savvy. In fact, I'm not tech savvy at all. Uh, <laughs> and I was having minor meltdowns each day because it was kind of either, uh, you know, the computer would, there'd be too much stuff on the laptop. So it would kind of close Pro Tools or, you know, it would just suddenly cut out and I'd have sat there for 25 minutes trying to record something and then have to do the chapter again. And then there was a lot of noise. There was a lovely dog to go down <laughs> involved in all of the books at one point. <laughs> so, oh, wow. Uh, it became quite stressful and then I didn't know if when I'd sent it off if it would be good enough if they'd suddenly go well I mean this is awful it sounds like you're sat in a cardboard box (laughs) (laughs) you've got a pillow on your face yeah it was quite a tense experience um so no studios are kind of opening up more and I've definitely opted to go back in it's also just nice to go in see other people I mean love my boyfriend and my housemate but it it is also nice to see other folk (laughs) yeah and I think as well a thing that I totally get is where some people if you can work from home but actually end up hiring an office space yeah because you kind of want to separate your home and work life yeah definitely um and it must feel kind of um quite I imagine actually probably the novelty of being able to record it from home is quite nice. But then if it becomes, you know, if you're doing it for maybe days or days and days or weeks yeah. on end, you're just like, oh, I'd rather well, just like also, get, go to the studio. Yeah, exactly. It's also hard for the people I live with because they've got to be quiet for a couple of hours. So we've kind of got to factor in because uh, my housemate tutors, so she's got to do that. And then uh, my boyfriend does plays down the other end. So I obviously can't record while he's doing that. Mm down the other end of the flat and then I decided to wake up at half past five and record for about four hours because that was the quietest time in the the neighborhood in the the world in the world yes nobody was up (laughs) and so um just briefly explain to us like how what what do you what do you what is like a typical day of sort of making an audiobook because I feel like it it's a lot harder than most people would think um well so you so you get the book and then you read it and prep it so kind of you know discovering who the characters are and the um the you know the voices or or the specific accents that you've been given um and then you know depending on if you're doing it from home or if you're doing it from in a studio you kind of average between 100 and 120 pages a day and that's kind of an, an hour and a half of of reading uh in blocks sorry so you have an hour and a half and take a break just because your mind and your eyes go a bit wobbly yeah I reckon I'd I'd go so fuzzy well it was so funny today so I was doing one this today and um there was a a character with a slight American accent and for the life of me I couldn't stop doing Australian um but what's funny is normally (laughs) you laugh like your engineer but it's just me laughing to myself but that will be recorded and proofed and edited by someone else. But it's just me going. And then I said, oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> Have you had any accents where you're like, 
they they want me they I can't do that. I have to say I'm really bad at Birmingham. Birmingham and Welsh, oh, they're just I not, can't I can't do either. They're not my strong point. Uh yeah. But, and they come up okay. quite a lot. What can what's you what, what's your what's your like priming line for like Welsh? Um what uh, what what to get in? Yeah. I'm from Wales. I love the- <laughs> <laughs> always, always Rob or oh, Rob Bryden. <laughs> it was the it was the fact that you became so breathy. I am from Wales. If you if you, if you kind of mask it with something else, mm. it, it doesn't sound like you're doing an awful accent. <laughs> I'm from Wales. I'm from Wales. Sorry, Clay. I don't think I can do a Welsh accent. I'm terrible. No, when try, we get it in Mystery Movie Night, I hate it. Try, try. So I think mine would be um that's that's a perfectly good half a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, see, if you just go up at the end of the sentence, by the end of it, people have forgotten that you couldn't quite get there and then they're like, Oh yeah, you did that, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I sort of breath through it. So um yeah. Said all oh, perfectly good half a sandwich. Oh, he's in, he's in the ruling hills. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a bad Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yes. Hello, Frodo. Hello, Frodo. <laughs> no, that was Scottish. I was doing Scottish. Now, Birmingham is really hard because um, Can't I do find Birmingham. it with like even even in Peaky Blinders, which is you know a big famous TV show. Yeah. I'm sometimes like, is that South African? <laughs> And it it just drifts. So, because like, the only thing I can say is like yeah. Birmingham, Birmingham. Oh, I'm from Birmingham. Dark Birmingham. Oh, sweet potato. That was very good. Thank you. That's that's my get in. But the thing is, is you don't really have to say sweet potato that much. So. <laughs> <laughs> it's not a common, a no. common phrase. No, and I think sometimes I go too hard on Birmingham. Well, I'm I'm very I can't do a soft Birmingham accent, so they, see, they so. you know rarely sound like they're from Birmingham. <laughs> rarely sound like they're from Birmingham. See, I'm doing yeah. it now. I'm going really breathy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Trying to cover it, just Even can't down. do it. So breathy. <laughs> I did have to do Welsh and Birmingham for um, an audition for a play called This House, oh. um, and what, uh, together. In the same yeah. audition. <laughs> yeah, it was for it was for like four or five smaller parts, and the guy was like, "Let's start with." There's a whole scene with the guy from Birmingham, and then a whole scene with Welsh, a Welsh guy on like a bridge. And then yeah. I found out um, during the audition, I said, um, "I think I said to the casting director, I said, have you seen a guy called Harry Kershaw for this?'" And uh, she said, uh, "Yeah, I think he's he's a friend of yours, right? He's coming in tomorrow." And I went, "Great." Got a phone, got a recall, and got a phone call from my agent, and I just immediately was like, "Harry Kershaw was going for it. I'm not going to the recall. This is <laughs> this is not a dusted." I get a phone call from Harry two days later, being, "David, I got the part." <laughs> I was like, "Of course you did, Harry. You were absolutely smashed it." But no accents. I think I'm all right at accents, but yeah, I find, I find, um, yeah, Birmingham, any kind of, I can only do like Northern, generic Northern. Generic Northern, yeah. I think also is, it's, it is about confidence as, you know, 
most of this industry is. Mm. Um, but sometimes I have like a little voice in my head that's like, God, you're nailing this. And then I <laughs> end up absolutely destroying <laughs> the accent and end up kind of being from everywhere. <laughs> just put some, yeah, I suppose if you just keep going, you'll eventually yeah. get it right. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Now I'm going to move us on to the next section. Mm, um, yeah. If you could give us uh, another one of your wonderful mm. uh, radio intros, uh, oh, yeah. this one is called "Questions from the Web." Okay. Here we are. Questions from the Web with Laura Kerman and David Hearn. Questions from the Web. Very good. It was jazzy. That that's more Radio Four, I think. That was quite jazzy. I enjoyed how you started by going, "Here we are," <laughs> as if we were anywhere else. Well, I, I'm thinking we're cutting to a different program. You see, that was that was oh, where my mind went. Here we are. Oh, okay. So Here we if are. I, if I was like, and that's the sport. Back to you, Laura, at the studio. Here we are. Uh, questions on the <laughs> It's still weird because <laughs> I would be well, like, where are. were you? <laughs> okay, so the first the first question from the web is from um Daisy Thomas. Mm-hmm. Um and Daisy asks, What are you most excited about for being in Magic Goes Wrong? <gasps> oh, lovely question. Um, I think the fantastic costumes. So I don't know mm. if you've watched, well, everybody might have watched Eurovision, but I've always dreamed of being dressed in a fabulous kind of gold, garishly wacky and wild costume. Uh, and now now I have, with many wigs as well. I mean, it's kind of a yes. dream come true. And a gorgeous German accent. <laughs> yeah. Oh, now can you do German? Oh, the German, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Very confident, very confident. Oh, very confident, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just ploughed into that, no question. So (laughs) so your thing you're most excited about is wigs wigs and costume. Wigs and costume. I mean, obviously the play, the magic tricks, amazing. But I am very excited about being dressed head to toe in gold with a blonde wig. Now, have you you been shown all the magic tricks? Do you know how they all work? Yes, we man well because I think we were yeah well we were due to open kind of two weeks into into COVID. Yes, I think mm. we were. Yeah, so uh, I just done all of the tricks and they blew my mind. Really? Yeah, it's crazy because you're playing no, bear, right? Yeah. Yes. That. Yes. Yeah. 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 That. Um. I think when you see a trick done, you're like. Oh, of course. But before then, you have no idea. And I love yeah. that. It's like, how did and they... It's, oh. It's, it's just amazing <laughs> how some of it, you're just like, oh, that is right. Okay. Yeah. Well, obviously, yeah. how often would you do it? Yeah. And what was amazing was just before uh, lockdown happened, we had a private magic show at the bar at the Pleasance. Uh, mm. Some of the best magicians and... I just the one of the most amazing tricks was she pushed a glass bottle through Darmesh's body through his chest and it oh, fell wow. 
Still, that is... I have no idea how that's done. And I don't want to because it would ruin it. But that was so exciting, that that magic show. It was like being a child again. <laughs> it really does have that have that ability, actually. I yeah. think, um, yeah, there was there's some stuff. I've, I found that I was quite, because I'm quite cynical about magic. But I think that's, um, I think a lot of magicians are, are like, that's a good place to be. Yeah. Um, particularly if you're going to perform it. But yeah. I, I think I found the mechanics and the science behind some of it even even more magical. I was just like, oh yeah. wow! But then yeah. some of it, though, I, I'm, I admire its simplicity. Where you're just like, yeah, you just leg it over there. Yeah, and oh, then... of course you just do that. <laughs> yeah, you just, you just run really fast, and it makes yeah. it look like you haven't. Yes. <laughs> and you're just like, sure, okay. Yeah. Um. Now, okay. So the second question is mm. from a person called say what now um yeah that's their that, some people have like handles and then their name yeah yeah yeah, yeah. this one is say what now and i mm-hmm. don't quite know what this means it says it's not even a question it finishes with an ellipsis um but it says weirdest stage flub which i i assume means sort of on stage error yes I quite like the word flub but then how would you how would you say that if it was in an audiobook if it if it had an ellipses oh uh you'd kind of uh weird stage flub weird stage flub or <laughs> weird which stage flub which stage flub so yeah what is your what is your weirdest well, stage flub i do think one of uh the funniest well, I mean, I have had a, quite a few, actually. Uh, I'm a very reliable actor, though. Um, <laughs> was at Rose Bruford when I was playing Ariel with Natalia Mednick as my twin. Oh, God. I and, loved that show. And... <laughs> oh, that was, yeah, that was amazing. Uh, we were in white tracksuits and we had other, uh, the design was that we were in these white uh, tracksuits as if they were straight jackets. And but we should we say are... it's Ariel from The Tempest, from not the from Tempest, Little Mermaid. Sorry. Yes, no, 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 not from Little Mermaid, <laughs> um, from The Tempest. And so we, uh, the show started and Natalia and I were up in our dressing room, you know, because the theatre's in the round, in the rows at the, um, at Rose Bruford College. I'm saying that to yeah. you. <laughs> As in... Oh, yes. No, I, I, I was there. <laughs> I was sat in that round. No. Um, and uh, yeah, we were chatting away. We'd done our first bit, loving it, loving, loving it. And we heard on the intercom, come, my faithful Ariel, come. And there's three flights of stairs. And we were like, shit. So all you could hear in this silent theatre was. But then we had to come through the vom of the band because we couldn't go round the other side, but walk as if we were in a straitjacket through drum kit, violin. <laughs> <laughs> and the poor actress who was uh, playing Prospero looked as if she was going to shove that orb right up <laughs> as we got on her, you know, magician's staff. Uh, so, yes, I think that's one of my... Uh, one of the highlights of my flubs, flubs. That was, was yeah, sta- weirdest stage flub, and that was pretty weird because that I remember that production being quite weird. Yes, I, I remember it opening it very effectively. Yes, and yeah. and then it, it it really was like it, and it certainly wasn't bad, and I was very proud no. of all of my friends that were in it. But I was like, this is 
a very strange choice. <laughs> <laughs> and I also decided that I would play the violin in it. And like, you play oh, the violin? Well, I did as a young girl, not very well. But right. the, the muses were like, oh, yeah, sh- uh, who can play other instruments? I was like, yeah, I can do the violin. But I ended up just being just playing open D. So no notes. <laughs> so it's just me. That is that. Do you know what you? I can I can go one better than that. I um when uh, we did Playboy of the Western World, um, mm-hmm. Rob uh, Falconer, who we've interviewed, on this you before, all had Irish accents. We all had Irish accents. Um, some some were sort of Welsh, Scottish, uh, I think a few Birmingham. sort of accidentally Indian accents in there as well. Um, and I think he basically, uh, he was the MD and he rearranged some music. So he took a very popular song by Floggin' Molly, it's called Drunken Lullabies, mm-hmm. and rearranged it to kind of sound like, it was very, very impressive. He rearranged it to sound like an Irish, uh, like a pub song, like a folk song. Yeah. And... Um, he said, uh, how do you feel about playing the violin? I said, I'm very mm-hmm. excited. Uh, although I <laughs> I understand a violin is, is not an easy instrument. He said, no, um, but let's try. And in my defense, I didn't get that many cracks at it, but I said, look, mm-hmm. I'll practice every day. And I came in the next day and, and it obviously wasn't very good. So then what, what Rob did was he was like, I tell you what, I'm going to mark the, the fretboard where you need to put your fingers and yeah. I'm going to... Um, I'm going to retune, or I'm actually going to detune the violin, uh-huh. uh, so that all you have to do is play the strings, um, and not worry about the fretboard. So he did that, uh, and then on day three, he was like, "I'm going to take the violin from you, uh, <laughs> and I've decided to cut the violin from this song." And I was like, "Oh, now, now, Rob, come on, come on." Yeah. <laughs> But I'm not a musical person, and so I think, and to this day, I, I, I sort of regret that I didn't get to play the violin. But then also, yeah. there's a part of me, and I have said this to Rob, that I was like, I think that's more your fault than mine because you were foolish enough to give me a violin, knowing <laughs> that I I can't even sing, so, <laughs> I can't even use my own instrument. Also, so how do you... of all instruments is yeah. I think one of the hardest to make sound nice. It just I believe I had a, a sort of an, a, a kind of um, I don't know what you call it. It's like that weird shaker that's like a little mini drum oh, the... with like metal beads on the outside. Yes. Yeah, yeah I had that name. Little it's sort of I want to say it's a maraca, but I don't think it is. Well, let's go with maraca. That sounds lovely kind of maraca. Lovely maraca. But yeah, but that was. Do you kind of twist it? Yeah. Yeah, and you kind of used it in in lots of. Sort of, I guess, either sort of primary school <laughs> music. Yes. Like someone always had one of those and a, and yeah. a xylophone. Yes. Yeah. 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 And, um, but yeah, okay. That's that was a good stage flub. Uh, one, my stage flub during Playboy of the Western World was I ran on um, and put my foot through the set and fell over. Oh. Um, that was that was amusing. Uh, now, next one, um, Bethany. Bethany asks, uh, which play were you uh the most proud to be a part of and it doesn't have to be a mischief play um well i think that one of the mischief plays would be a play that goes wrong was i think a highlight of uh my career so far because it was the first ever west end show and it was kind of a dream come true really doing that uh it yeah i never i'll never forget that first night 
because it was like, wow, we're here. Mm. Um, but I think, uh, I, I do think 39 Steps, just in a kind of ownership and collaborative approach of creating those clowns, uh, was a show. And working with Niall was a dream. We had such a laugh together. And since then, have written together and are now kind of singing together as well. So I think I'd be proud of that in kind of a creative way, but like a real kind of pin in my career was that opening night as Annie in Play That Goes Wrong. I'll, I'll never forget that. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I'm so pleased. That is, uh, hopefully your career trajectory goes in such a way that that, that will be topped in some way. Oh, but uh, as it stands, yeah, that's, that's a wonderful cool. thing. <laughs> um, now we're into the closing final section. Yeah. Um, and this is the quick fire section where I'm going to ask you lots of quick fire questions. Oh, right. Okay. So could you give us a, a, a quick fire intro? Welcome to Quickfire with Laura and Dave. Quickfire, pro quo. <laughs> pro pro quo. Yes, I'm not, not quite sure about that. <laughs> what does what does pro quo mean in this? What does that mean in this context? Or what does it mean? I'm going to Google. Mm, it. Well, it's not right in this context, is it? <laughs> <laughs> so, or quid quid pro quo. Quid quid pro quid pro quo. <laughs> Quid, quid pro quo is a Latin phrase used in English to mean an exchange of goods or services. Oh, well, so, like, so I'm going to give you for a favour. Answering really quickly. So, yeah, f- f- quick fire, favour for a favour. So <laughs> I will do you the favour of asking you a question <laughs> and you will do me the favour of oh, answering, answering that. it. Yeah. Okay, excellent. I, <laughs> I enjoy this a lot. Okay, so here we go, right? I'm going <laughs> to fire them out quick mm-hmm. as you can. Okay. Okay. What is your favourite colour? Blue. Texting or talking? Talking. If you're an animal, what would you be? Oh, koala. <laughs> if you were to <laughs> describe yourself as a dessert, what dessert would you be? Oh, I think it'd be like a banoffee pie. Nice. Is a Jaffa cake a cake or a biscuit? Awful. Hate them. Uh, biscuit. Neither. <laughs> um, <laughs> describe yourself in three words. Bubbly, friendly idiot. Bubbly, friendly idiot. Very good. If you were one of the 52 playing cards, which one would you be? Jack of spades. <laughs> no idea why. What is in your pockets right now? I don't have any pockets. I've got my pyjamas on. Very good. So just some skin. Um, <laughs> what is your favourite film? Well, Moulin Rouge. I mean, that's not true, but it just came to my mind. That's good. And finally, uh, who would be the best mischief member to be trapped on a desert island with? No, Ransom. (laughs) Very good. Very good. I suppose you, in a way, when you were, not that you were trapped on a desert island, but when you were in Scarborough, I guess. I was trapped by the beach with no Ransom. (laughs) Yeah, so that's pretty close. Yeah. And you guys would just We didn't kill each other, so... (laughs) No, that is very good. Well, we are. Um, that is all we have time for, I'm afraid. Um, um, however, before we go, do you have any uh, TV or book or podcast recommendations you'd like to plug? Well, I would say I've been listening to Sue Perkins' podcasts, which mm-hmm. are incredible. Her new ones at the moment, uh, David Harewood, Harewood one is particularly great. And I, I also his documentary. Say, oh, did you on BBC? The Psychosis and Me, yeah, it's very, very good. Really want to watch that. 
yeah, I'd recommend that. And then I'd say if you haven't watched I May Destroy You on BBC One, uh, Michaela Cole series, watch that. That is epically brilliant. And then also for a bit of lulls, I've started watch, uh, watching Shit's Creek on Netflix. Uh, Netflix. Charlie watches that. And I've not Love seen it. it, but from what I have seen, it's very, 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 very funny. Yeah. Very, very funny. My favourite character is Moira, who speaks like this. <laughs> yes, she yeah. frowns, frowns woman. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, there so, you go. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, Laura Kerman, thank you oh, so much for giving you. us your time. Hey, thank you for, for asking me. It's been wonderful. Oh, my absolute pleasure. And I tell you what, could you, you can close this out because you oh, have the sort of professional voice. So can you just say, uh, I've been Laura Kerman. Thanks very much for watching. Follow us on at Mischief Comedy. And then just cl- all you have to do is close off by saying, and keep making mischief. Oh, lovely. I mean, that's quite a lot for me to remember, but I'll try. Okay, uh, well, uh, don't, okay, I'll do the, t- okay, I'll do this. At Mischief Comedy is our Twitter <laughs> then you can just do Laura Kerman and make it mischief. Yes, lovely, making mischief. We've got it out there now. We've got it. Yeah, yeah. There's a lot of prep going into this. Oh, sorry, I thought you were going to go. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. I will. Uh, I've been Laura Kerman making mischief. <laughs> <laughs> the pause, that confusion of that pause was so good because <laughs> someone like banged the door in the background. Not in the take. <laughs> oh, very good. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. That is, that's us. Thank um, you. I'm trying to think of like a witty closing line. Oh. Um, I'm just going to say flub. Flub. <laughs> Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. 
Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you.